so good to see you. I'm going to take a drink of water. I know that's really professional right now. I've been singing, praying. My throat's a little parched. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. I was driving down the road on a Friday, and my phone rang, and it was Charlie. And I'm going to come down here with y'all. It was Charlie, and he was like, oh, man. He goes, I hope you're having a good day. I said, are you okay? He's like, nah, I've been better. Um, the, the virus, which we shall not name, has kind of swept through some of the church staff and volunteers and some of the church. I believe the youth went on a trip, and some got sick there, and... There was VBS, and there was just lots of opportunities for people to catch a virus, if you know what I mean. So about uh, midway through Friday, he said, man, I, I can't be there. So I'm feeling all right. Just kind of feels like a head cold, but uh, I can't be there. Can you, can you step in for me? And I was like, dude, yeah. Had something planned, and uh, I was going all day yesterday, and uh, so... This is going to be kind of short and sweet this morning, but, but I thought about when I was in Africa in 98, and some of you have heard me share about the two and a half months that I spent there in Africa and how that shaped my life. And I remember us going into a village one day, and the missionary family that I was living with, Stanley Dickard was his name, and he said, um, all right, you ready to preach? I was like, huh? He's like, you know what, I'm not going to preach today. Why don't, why don't you preach? I was like, all right. So I got my Bible out, you know, and uh, I had about five minutes. And uh, I just pressed like, God, look, you, I got to have you. Come on now, you know. And it, scripture talks about being ready in season and out of season. And uh, I kind of felt like that a little bit. Um, but I'm grateful for the opportunity always to share. And I'm grateful that you are here with me today and with us all because it's not about any other name but the name of Jesus that's why we gather that's why we sing that's why we serve that's why we give that's why we love it is about the name of Jesus it's not about the name of a church it's not about the name of a service it's about the name of Jesus and that's what we are about here God is doing something in our midst even when we don't Recognize it. That song, Same God, newer song released this year, but it already has had a big impact in the lives of people around the globe, as, as I've read stories about it, and my life as well, as a reminder that God is the same today as he was yesterday and as he will be throughout all eternity. And I'm grateful for Charlie teaching us and walking us through the patriarchs, the Old Testament. And he mentioned this last week. God kind of gets a bad rap in the Old Testament. You know, he's kind of looked at as the angry God or the God of wrath. But being that God's the same yesterday and today and forever, you look in the Old Testament, you see God of wrath as well in ways. But also, all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see a God of grace, a God of love, a God that's continually calling people and drawing people to himself, a God that is doing 
supernatural things that only he can do and that only can be explained by the touch of God on a person's life. Using ordinary people like you and me to transform situations, to heal sicknesses, to raise the dead. We see all throughout history, not the angry, wrathful God, the God that has woven grace the strand and the thread of grace all through history and is still doing it today, and that is Jesus, his son. That he sent to die on the cross for our sins, that if we receive that, we put our faith and hope in Jesus, we live forever. But it's not just about living forever. It's about here in the moment and what we were born to do and what he's called us into and what he's called us to be. And if you've got your Bible or it's on your phone or, or your other device, this is not the main passage of Scripture, but Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, Therefore may we boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I love that. Verse 7, he says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. In verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we just sang, he is the same God. We see in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there is a time and a season for everything, from the beginning of time through the end, it is about the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and us being a part of the story. You may be looking around this morning and you may be saying, you know, there's, there's empty seats and stuff like that. And if you've been with us a while, you know that we've packed this place out a whole lot of times. But God is leading us through a season right now. We're in a season. Seasons pass. Seasons change. God is the God of new beginnings and resurrecting things. We're going to look at that in just a little bit more. And the beautiful part of that is you and me, we get to be a part of that and what God does. But to do that, I want us to kind of start at the end and look back real quick. And I want to ask you this question, what is your response when things don't go as expected? When things don't go your way? And I don't necessarily mean like you don't get your way. That could be part of it. But when things don't go as expected, you get the news. You weren't expecting that phone call late at night or maybe early morning or maybe just in the middle of the day that you weren't expecting or someone that you loved gets sick and there seems like there's no hope. What do you do when you get the bad news? What do you do when you find yourself in a situation and a circumstance that you didn't wake up intending to find yourself in? Disappointment, a 
according to the dictionary, is unhappiness from the failure of something hoped for or expected to happen. What happens when things don't work out? What happens when our expectations or our dreams or the things that we thought were going to happen seem to crumble? What is our response to that? Unmet expectations are outdated dreams. How do we receive that and live in that and walk in that? Statistics have shown since COVID, not just in America, but all over, there is a growing sense of isolation. There is a growing sense of loneliness. And there is a growing sense of where do I belong? Where do I fit into all of this? And really, what is my response to all of this? And it is easy for me, and maybe it is you too, to kind of get caught up in the narrative and the story of whatever's happening. I've had to just kind of cut the news off because every time I cut it on, there's no good news. It is just doom and gloom. And I, I, I work in an industry that... We're with people all day long, and I'm seeing people every day. And not just in my industry, I'm talking to peers in other industries, too, that meet face-to-face with people, and they're all saying the same things. There is no more patience in people. They're angry, they're upset, they're scared, and they're asking questions. They're asking questions, and no matter what the media is telling you, They are looking to the church for answers. There was one poll that came out here recently that said that church growth and and evangelicals, they've seen a drop. But it didn't tell the whole story. That drop was in a particular political party. And we're not getting into that because that is not politics. But then there's been... a couple of more studies that come out that shows spirituality is on an all-time high and something is stirring in the heart of people even if they don't know what that is. I believe it's the Holy Spirit drawing people back to the moment because God has placed us as the church here to be His hands and feet and to give answers and to be an example and a witness to the world of the good news of God and the power of the resurrection that is within us all. But it is so easy for us to get caught up in that moment and we lose sight of it all and we get overwhelmed, we get depressed, our anxiety goes sky high and that's not because we're not spiritual people. It's because we have flesh and bones and we're human and we live and walk around in this world and it affects us. But we can get so called up in that narrative that we're hearing right now and in the current of what's going on that we miss the big picture. One thing that I learned in Africa is the darker the night, the greater the light of the stars that shine. 
I learned a very important lesson, and we're going to get to the main scripture here. We're going to make a few points, and then we're going to call it a day together. Remember sitting in a village, and it's not like here in America. There's, there's no smog, okay? You're in the bush, okay? You're, you hear lions calling out to each other at night. And the first night I heard, first time I heard that, you talk about your blood turning cold a little bit. Because it's like, I mean, it's almost like they're laughing. And you're like, what are they laughing at? You know, what, I mean, am I, am I dinner? What's about to happen? And the, village, the villagers, no matter what, where you go, they keep fires burning in the night to scare the lions away. And you hear them calling and all that. But because there's no smoke or, or, or smog and things like that, you see a constant show of shooting stars. Some of them are just kind of little drops. And then some of them, I mean, it's like a, a, just a comet. It's not a comet. It's a shooting star. But it just lights up the night and just goes right across the star, uh, the sky. And, and there was, you know, I had hair then. I was about to say this red-headed boy from Mississippi. I mean, the only thing red now is a little bit of my beard left. But I, I, there's a couple times I remember being in a conversation and just be like, wow, because the sky, the night would just light up and it would just be falling stars like rain. And I kind of spooked um, the African villagers a little bit because they'd be like, <gasps> because it was normal to them. It had become very casual to them because they experienced it every day. They grew up with it. It wasn't a big deal that... Stars were falling like rain. But here, where we have smog and stuff, and we really can't see the night sky like we can in a place that doesn't have any, or unless we get way out in the country or in Nevada or in the desert or somewhere like that, we're not used to seeing that. Sometimes we, as believers in the church, we get very comfortable because it's what we've always done. Some of us. Some of you may not have grown up in church. But for those who have been around it a lot, it can become very, very familiar. But make no mistake, the power of God, the story of God, is not any less. It is just as powerful and just as significant in this very moment as it's always been and will be. So let's start at the end. When things go nuts, when things go crazy, we're asking questions. Where do we found ourselves in that? What's our response to that? Let's look big picture. Paul is speaking to new believers in this new church at Thessalonica. And some apparently thought that those who died would miss out on the second coming. And they had plunged themselves into despair and grief. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 13, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. 
Verse 14, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Big picture, here we go. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I think that's a pretty significant event right there. When dead things begin to come back to life and the graves begin to empty. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. That is our future. And the only hope for that future is found in Jesus That event that all of history is barreling towards right now, faster than we can imagine because we know life is like this. Life is a vapor. Scripture talks about life being a mist or a vapor. It's happening like this. All of history is barreling to that moment right now. And when we get a glimpse of that and our small part... in the overall story of God... As the hymn writer said, the things of earth truly, truly do start to grow dim. Years before that, Jesus encounters a situation. We've talked about this. Charlie has taught on this here recently. Jesus found himself in a place where his close friend had died. Some days had passed before he, he got there. And that was intentional. <laughs> He's God. He knew what was about to happen. And in John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus makes this pretty astounding Statement. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? And we know what happens. He says, Lazarus, come on out, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of that grave. He's resurrected from the grave. I heard this pastor say when I was in college one time, because Jesus is God and he is the resurrection and the life, he had to be very specific in that moment. He had to say, Lazarus, come out. Because if Jesus would have just said, come out, the graves would have emptied because he is the resurrection and the life. But here's, here's what's beautiful. In the original Greek language, the meaning of these verses are intense. They are strong. In verse 25, we see an instance of Jesus making an I am statement. I am 
the resurrection. I am the life. The tense and the wording in the original language that's not based on a single isolated moment. Yes, it was true and it was specific for that moment, but the tense and the wording is not bookended. It wasn't just then and he goes on about his way. No, the tense in the Greek, what Jesus was saying is, I have always been the resurrection, I have always been the life, and I will always forever be the resurrection, and I will always forever be the life. It's not just a single moment. It's what we've talked about. His grace, His love, the plan to redeem the world, all has been set in place from the beginning of time through the end of time, and all of history is barreling towards that right now. And we get to play a part in that. You and me in Christ through the power of the resurrection and because of the resurrection, we have the power of God in us. So where we are, we are salt. We are seasoning. When we walk into a room because of the Holy Spirit's work inside of our lives... God can use us to do amazing things. It might be a simple smile to bring hope to somebody. It might be a, a handshake or, or a hug or a fist bump or, or, or whatever that in that moment, that person, that was like a cold drink of water for that person. It's not always the miraculous but because of the power of the resurrection and us being alive in this moment in history, God has placed all of us in people's lives and other people in our lives as well to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And not only that, but the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. So, going back to what I said earlier of my life and, the, and, and my peers that I'm talking to in other industries as well that are seeing so much cynicism and so much frustration in people and anger and just short-tempered and they're scared and they're walking around with no hope. And we have all in this conversation that I'm talking about have said, I wish we just didn't have to work with people all day long. But then that's when the Holy Spirit begins to kind of tap me a little bit on the shoulder and be like, but I placed you there to be light. I placed you there to bring hope. I placed you there to bring peace. And when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean me through you. No matter where you find yourself in life, no matter what heartache, no matter what hardship, don't lose sight. It's a season. It is a season. And maybe, just maybe, God has placed you there in that difficult moment because someone needs to see someone in love with Jesus when life just falls apart. And sometimes, I'm sorry, I get a little bit emotional. Because sometimes life feels like it's falling apart. 
is good. And his power is at work within us. And he is still changeless lives. And he still heals. You've heard me say this here recently. But I've read a lot about the resurrection here in the past year or two years or whatever. And sometimes I'll put it down and sometimes I'll start reading about it again. And the resurrection of Jesus is the most important central event in all of history of anything that we've read, of anything that we've studied and we took tests on in school. Mm. The resurrection of Jesus is the central event of all history. And not just in the Bible. You've heard me say this recently. But in many other historical documents and writings all over the world. Even written by people that persecuted Christians. And was trying to stamp out the church. We find in those writings... Them talking about the resurrection of Jesus. I read yesterday, and I forgot who said it. I apologize about that. But it, but it was this, this, this well-known and renowned professor, an archaeologist, and, 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 and just professor of antiquity. And he said, there's so much evidence outside of the Bible, and, and we all know this is all we need. I mean, this is all we need. But there is so much historical evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus that it causes, his exact words were, experts of antiquity to drool. That's pretty awesome. And that's the God who calls you and calls me to walk alongside of him. To just say yes. Not yes so much in the big moments, but yes in the little moments. The step by steps, moments by moments. Just do what you know you're supposed to do and trust God to use you in that situation, to move you through that situation and into another season of life. Because we're all in seasons. It's easy for us to trust when life is good, right? That's easy. And it's easy to worship and praise God when it's good. You're the God of the resurrection. You're the God of the promise. And then the big C word, cancer, shows up in somebody. You love or yourself. And whoo, things kind of start going off the tracks a little bit. And I was reminded recently, I will recently be in a year, about a year, when a, a friend of mine passed away and I was asked to, to do his funeral. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 was not written to a group of people whose life was all rosy. It was written to a people that were intense Babylonian exiles. It was about the darkest of dark. And God spoke these words to him. I know the plans I have for you. 
Last time I taught, it started raining. And I was like, come on with it. Let that just be a symbol of the grace of God. Raining down on your life, mercy. Water in your life, water in your soul. Water in your purpose. He's doing it. He does it every day. But these were a people that felt abandoned, that felt that they had been left. And God was telling them, I've not forgotten you. I know where you live. I know where you are. And guess what? It's a season. I'm about to bring you out. I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to give you a future. And it's greater than what you can imagine. And that is true for us today because God is the same today as he was yesterday as he will be forever. We have a hope. We have a future. You at your job or wherever that God may lead you into, there is a hope, there is a future. Your desire for family, there is a hope, there is a future. Here in this church and churches all across the city, we have hope, we have future. We worship and we serve and we are called and we are loved on. And don't miss that because we talk about our love for God, but we are loved by God. We are loved greater than we can imagine. We are loved by God and called into his hope for us and his future for us. It's found through the person of Jesus. He has not forgotten you and he's not forgotten me. So there's hope. <laughs> In the darkness, light shines the brightest. And the light of Christ is shining on your light, your life right now. Greater than you can imagine. Greater than I can imagine. So don't lose hope. Because you're called to a glorious future. Yeah, that future we talked about, it's coming a time. Jesus is coming back. There is eternity we live for him. But man, he's called you into a hope and a future right here in this moment as well. And because of the resurrection, it's new life. It's power to walk with him, to serve him. Not for our name, but for his name's sake. And who knows how he might use us and our lives to ripple through the current even long after we're gone. You are loved by God. You were chosen. You were called. And you are fully alive. And you know what? You are fully forgiven. <laughs> fully forgiven. Let's pray together. As the song says, oh God, we do need you. And you are the same God. And there is none like you.
And we give you thanks and praise for that. We, thank, we give you thanks and praise that you've called us, you've chosen us, that you have a plan and a purpose in our life that's far greater than anything that we can imagine and that you're inviting us into that, Lord. And you're inviting us to touch the lives and the hearts of people that we come in contact every single day. As we prayed earlier, we're not worthy, but we're grateful. So thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.